off top, New Jersey is the most population dense state in the entire country. New Jersey has about 1,200 people per square mile. And if you took the entire population of the world and stuffed them all in Texas, then you would have the same population density of the state of New Jersey. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, Charlie. New Jersey, that's where you're at right now. Can you breathe or is it just people all around you everywhere you look? <laughs> I can't believe you gave me a New Jersey fun fact off the top. Um, yeah, I can breathe. It's, <laughs> it's lovely. Stone Harbor, New Jersey, not like the Jersey Shore TV show. Not too dense for you? No. All right. So we are giving people what they need on their long drives or their boring family events is something to listen to more fun than that. And the NBA gave us something to talk about and the free agency weekend that was. So I think we just keep it simple, go winners and losers from free agency. And I will start with the main character of most NBA seasons, LeBron James and the Lakers. I think this is widely considered a win. I think as long as they got Austin Reeves back, which they did at a good deal, uh, they didn't get any competition for it, which was a surprise. They didn't get the value pushed up. I, I think they won the free agency market with that deal alone or not. I think they are one of the winners. I don't think they are the overall winner, but they bring back pretty much the same team. They brought back D'Angelo Russell, which I think you would consider a pro, even though you might think it's a con. I think it's a pro because he's not who they're relying on. They got Gabe Vincent from Miami, uh, all for pretty reasonable deals. They have addressed whatever issues they had at the guard position with those three players, bringing uh, D'Lo back, I think. Uh, or Yeah, I, I mean... I don't think it matters one way or the other. He's a good piece to have when he's hot. He's going to hurt you on defense. But the real key to this is bringing back Austin Reeves and presumably giving him more of a role. And their championship hopes are not only dependent to me on LeBron James and Anthony Davis staying healthy, but how much better Austin Reeves can get. If he can show us that playoff level Austin Reeves that we saw this past season, if he can show us that consistently. Uh, and maybe even take it up a step higher in certain situations. And the same is probably true of Gabe Vincent. I think this team is a title contender. Yeah. Uh, the question I would have, I mean, it seems like they did the right things. But before I can call them a winner, do you think today, after a couple days of free agency, they are tangibly closer to winning the title and being better than the Nuggets and being better than the other title contenders than they were a week ago? Um, I could say that I tangibly closer that word like it's I guess it, to me it's dependent on how good Gabe Vincent is going to be and how much better Austin Reeves can get I think they are tangibly closer is that closer enough to knock off uh the Nuggets, mm, I don't know. I wouldn't bet against them or bet on the Nuggets. I think the question is, is I already laid it out. Can LeBron be healthy in the playoffs? What version of LeBron you're going to get? Can AD rise to the level that we know he's capable of consistently in the playoffs? And can Austin Reeves be what he was last year in the playoffs? 
all the way through the season and maybe give them a little bit more. So I don't think that they added a piece that makes you feel like I don't think that Gabe Vincent is like, oh, now they got Gabe Vincent. Now they're going to win the championship. But I do think that they put themselves in position, which is all you can ask in any sport is how crazy does it sound the beginning of the season to to imagine that this team won a championship? It doesn't seem crazy to me at all. Whereas I think when they signed uh uh, Russell Westbrook, then we all thought it was crazy. So they've come a long distance from that point to be back again in a position that we think is championship. Uh, they have championship potential, which is all you can ask for with LeBron and AD at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. So I feel like I, uh, you don't consider them winners. They're just like, they, they held serve. They got a tie in this free agency period. I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. And I actually do. I mean, the Austin Reeves deal is great. And I think that, D'Angelo Russell is essentially a contract that now becomes tradable with the years and the size of it. And so in, with that point, I think it's a win. I just thought it was interesting that um, the way it was digested by, by some of these people when they were just putting up the graphics, that was like, scary hours, look, look at the depth of this Lakers team. And it has like, you're looking at the bottom right of that graphic and it has like Jackson Hayes in that. And you're like, okay, yeah. Lakers media mafia is, is an all-timer. Um, can I give you my winner? Sure, give it up. The Portland Trailblazers. All right, you got to sell me on this. They are out of no man's land. Oh. They are out of no man's land, and they didn't have to be the one to decide to franchise history. Damian Lillard, he made that choice for them. And say what you want, but I think it was going to be incredibly difficult after years of trying to thread the needle and build a championship team around Damian Lillard. Maybe the second best off the dribble shooter in the history of the NBA. Still someone who, when he's healthy, is someone you want in a playoff series. The guy's just about winning, mm. and he makes like incredible winning basketball plays. But that situation had run his course. He was 33 years old. He's got a contract that's going to pay him in the 60s of millions of dollars uh, by 2027. I think he'll be a 37-year-old guard at that point, which will be in unprecedented territory for someone who I think Recording is 6'1". Recording in progress. And I think... The Blazers are a winner because they have, over yeah. this offseason, added Scoot Henderson. Shaden okay. Sharp's going to break out. Uh, this is not going to be something where they hand him to the Miami Heat. I hope he doesn't get traded to the Heat before this podcast comes out. And I don't look like an idiot when, it, when the returns Tyler here on a first-round pick. But they're going to get back a big package and rebuild. Sure, they signed Jeremy Grant for $160 million. Yeah, that was a terrible deal. But maybe... Just maybe they'll be able to flip him at the deadline now. Yeah, so that's a stretch. I appreciate you trying to make this more interesting by by picking the Trailblazers as a winner when they're obviously not a winner. They have not. I mean, the Jeremy Grant deal, Jeremy Grant is not that level of player, but I, I don't hate that. It's fine. The idea that you can spin this Dame Lillard thing as a win before they've actually moved him because they they had already made this decision. They haven't been in no man's land for a while. They they solidified that they were out of no man's land when they drafted Scoot Henderson. Like, I don't think anyone who was seriously following this believed that they were still going to try to build around Damian Lillard. So the easy part was to make that decision. The hard part is actually to get value for a player that you've telegraphed to everyone that you don't want. And that has made it clear that he doesn't want to be there. So 
I don't know that I would consider them winners. I guess the path is clear for it to happen, but no one is getting what they expect for their players when they trade them. And their leverage, whatever leverage they had, to the degree that anyone in the NBA believed that they were going to keep Damian Lillard or wanted to keep Damian Lillard, now that's gone too. So if it's not now, at some point, we are all are going to be looking at what Damian Lillard got moved for and say, ooh, they did not get value for, for that player. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't consider them winners. I don't know if I'd go as far to say that they were losers, but they certainly didn't win this week. So my question to you would then be as a follow-up, who do you think it's more beneficial for them to move on, Dame or for the Blazers in this breakup? I mean, definitely seems Dame. I mean, the Blazers are have Yeah, I mean, they don't need the cap room right now. I guess at a certain point they will. Next year or the year after that, then moving on from Dame would be important for them. Uh, having him there... If we are going to assume that he is like the opposite of Kyrie and that his presence is positive and he's not going to be up to the grind, yeah. except for he's running from the ground grind right now. And um, obviously the opposite would be if he shows up there and is a problem, then, yeah, you want him out of there. But no one believes that he would be a problem. He'd be an asset for them to have this coming season, even if they're trying to work Scoot Henderson into that number one role. So I don't see them. Uh, benefiting from moving him because as we all kind of laid out, the value's not there. The biggest piece that anyone that they can get right now is Tyler Hero, which Tyler Hero's a good offensive player. Uh, but I don't think, especially with uh, a team that is going to be built around Scoot Henderson and Tyler Hero to that is not necessarily going to make Scoot better or make this team better. Uh, I know we've heard Dame tied to going to Philly. I don't know where they're going to get the third team from that's going to make this uh, a valuable trade. I think we just have to accept the fact that Portland is about to get fleeced and they know they're about to get fleeced. They're not going to get the value back. You never get the full value for a superstar. And especially in this current market, they're not going to get the full value. What's interesting is we actually did see Kevin Durant get full value this season for a trade, which is crazy because someone as good as Kevin Durant, it's almost impossible to get full value back with the amount of picks and Bridges and Cam Johnson. And Damian Lillard's Closer to Kevin Durant than he is to Bradley Beal. And he doesn't have a no trade clause. And this is a player who, in the right situation, can swing the title. And when a player is that good on the trade block, that's one incredibly rare in the NBA. It does not happen that often that someone who's good enough to swing the NBA title this coming year comes available. And two, when those players are on the market, those are the type of guys you go into the second apron for and you figure it out later. Yeah, I, all right, so you're right. And I think um, as the trade deadline approaches, then his value does increase. But the value is different than who's willing to pay that value. So the two teams that are in position that have been positioned as the teams that could draft or that could uh, be in the market for him is Miami and Philly. And neither of them have enough to get it. So like the point that you're making, yes, yeah. his value is incredibly high for one of those teams that is on the brink. There are no teams that are on the brink that also have a ton of value that they're willing to send away. Because if you send the best thing that the Heat have is probably Bam out of Bayou. If you send him, then their championship window is closed. So they're not going to do that. And the same thing for the Sixers. The best thing the Sixers have is Embiid. They're not going to send him because then what's the point in getting Damian Lillard? So it only becomes the teams that are close. And the teams that are close don't have the value to pay for. So at some point, they're going to have to pull a trigger and move him for under market. They're not going to get 
four first rounders like uh, you got for Gobert or you get for Kevin Durant or someone like that four first rounders and starting quality players. It's just not going to happen in this market unless someone else buys a team because that's what happened. It's, Ispia bought the Suns and was like, hell yeah, I want to make a splash. So they got to find some new owner who bought in and was like, all right, whose team is also close. It seems like an unlikely scenario. Um, I know uh, another part of this that is interesting to me that I assume is interesting to you is like, what do the the Blazers owe Damian Lillard in this situation? Because they could get more value. And I guess that's the that's the tough thing. They could get more value if they sent them anywhere. Like if anyone is is uh, available, then you can find someone with the assets. But then the question is, is it valuable to that team if they're not on the doorstep? But assuming a team is willing to overpay or at least outbid these other organizations, but it's a place where he doesn't want to go. Is that okay to do to Damian Lillard? My instinct is no, but I think I know the truth answer is, is yeah, it's okay. Like you're the GM, you have to do what's best for the organization, which is what's best for you. And if it means sending Damian Lillard somewhere terrible, you kind of got to do that unless the relationship business that uh, NBA is, unless it's about pissing off the wrong agents or pissing off the wrong players and ending up in a situation where you can't attract the biggest free agents. It's not something that we're accustomed to in football because players tend not to have that much power. You go with who's going to pay you the most money and the league is uh, the game is so dangerous. Your career could end at any moment. So you kind of go to any terrible city or terrible organization if they pay you the most. That doesn't seem to be the case in the NBA, at least not for all players. But I'm not sure how much it it impacts because they've I mean, Dame's been there for a long time. I'm not sure that if they send him to a bad city, the next free agent is going to be like, no. Remember that time when you guys disrespected Damian Lillard? I'm not coming there. It's a different question for the agents, though. The agents might be able to wield some uh, some power if they're upset with how you treated their superstar. So for me, I think if the. uh as long as the offers are comparable, you can send Dame where he wants to go. But if there's a massive gap, you cannot. And you talk about the next free agent. The next free agent that is considering Portland is going to be like, remember this is the team that paid that tiny guard $67 million in his 37-year-old season? I like that team. That's a lot of loyalty to show their players. Portland, oh. oh. All right. Full transparency, Charlie is on vacation and I made him work anyway because I'm a tyrant and the Wi-Fi went down. And so now you just got me, which is fun. You get all my opinions and no pushback from silly Charlie. So we were talking about Dame Lillard, I think, when we lost him. And the bottom line is I'm right. Trailblazers are going to lose Dame Lillard for less than what he's worth. And that's what it's going to come down to. I think this team is building for the future. They're doing the right things. And the big question about how you treat a player like this, it matters in basketball a lot more than it does in football. But I also think that at this point, Damian Lillard has had a long enough run there that people would be okay with Damian Lillard going wherever he goes. So I assume at some point, probably once the season starts, because I'm not sure what's the impetus to to trade him now, but some point before the trade deadline, once players are on the court and we see how close the teams are, things start to shake out. Some teams will separate themselves uh, as being real legitimate championship contenders, and those teams will be willing to pay everything that they have left, aside from any star contributor players, to get Damian Lillard, who may be the best 
uh, second best shooter of all time is, uh, as he would put it. And I think most people would agree, a point guard who can attack off the dribble and everything's predicated on his elite shooting ability that no one is in his company except for Steph Curry. And he's getting up there in years, but Steph Curry is 35, who's a couple years older than Damian Lillard, playing a similar style game just as effectively. So I think what happens is a couple of teams show that they're real championship contenders and uh, then they go in for Damian Lillard. The The Philly move would be the most interesting because I think Philly's trying to hold on to Tyrese Halliburton as long as they can, but they need to accept that at some point this season, if uh, Embiid is still healthy and still playing well, that they got to move on from the future of, uh, did I say Tyrese Halliburton? I Tyrese Maxey, I think. I don't know if I said Halliburton or Maxey, but obviously I mean Maxey. They need to accept that the future of Maxey is uh, not worth the present of potentially putting together a championship run with um, Damian Lillard and Embiid. We already talked about the Lakers. The other team that I think is important to talk about is two more teams I think is important to talk about, the Suns and the Mavericks. So the Suns made a bunch of moves we didn't talk about Houston either. I like Houston. So Houston, we'll go Houston first because Houston got Ime Udoka and a bunch of really talented young players. And they went and got Dylan Brooks and Van Vliet. I think I might surprise you on this particular take is I don't think the mistake was to get Dylan Brooks. I don't think it was a mistake to get Van Vliet either. But if you're going to argue that one of those contracts is not uh, a great contract, I think you look at the company that uh, 43 million a year, I think is what Van Vliet is getting. That's superstar. That's franchise changing super max deal. Like we were looking at people like Kawhi Leonard. Who else is in that uh, conversation? I guess not superstar, but like Damian Lillard is in that conversation until a couple years when he goes up to, to 60. Luka Doncic is in that same area. There's also players who've been injured and somewhat disappointing like Trey Young and and uh, Zach Levine, these people who make over $40 million. So I guess maybe I'm talking myself out of it as we are here, but I think you could argue that that contract could be a promise three years. Uh, he's going to take up a lot of uh, a lot of the ball handling responsibility, which I think that they suspect that their long-term answer at point guard is not going to be Van Vliet. So honestly, I don't think it's a bad move. It helps them with some maturity, some leadership, some culture stuff. He comes with Udoka from, uh, from Toronto, which I think helps a lot. And it's not a terrible deal. But I, I guess the point I was trying to make is I don't hate the Dylan Brooks contract. Uh, I know how disappointing Dylan Brooks was for the in the playoffs how disappointing he was for the Grizzlies and how he ignited LeBron with his trash talk and he's an offensive liability and all the advanced metrics came out to suggest that he was one of the worst players in NBA playoff history but for for what they're asking about 20 million dollars a year is not a crazy sum for a player like Dylan Brooks who I think if nothing else he brings some level of tenacity and I think what comes with that is sometimes a little bit annoying he's very Marcus Smartish, which I think Marcus Smart would take offense to because he's probably a plus offensively overall, whereas Dylan Brooks, I don't know that you could say that about him, but I think adding him to this team that is not in championship contention, that's not looking to win a championship for 20 a year for, what is it, four years, I don't think it's too bad. So I actually like that move. They still are in position to find out what they have in these young players, Jabari Smith, Jalen Green. They just got uh, Amin Thompson, who I, I project, well, I'm going to say I project like I'm some sort of real uh, um, 
coach that can project where he ends up, but his athleticism, his lack of shooting, but his ball handling, I like him in the future to potentially be that point guard with Jalen Green being the two guard and Jabari obviously being the four or five. So uh, if a couple of these really young, talented players work out for them, their building is just something special. So I really like what they've done there so far. I'm getting phone calls from Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Don't worry about it. I'm going solo without you, and I'm killing it. And they're recording me talk to you right now about how good I'm doing without you. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. The Suns, the other team I want to talk about. I guess we can talk Golden State also. They signed up uh, Draymond for uh, $25 million a year for four years, $100 million deal. It seems like a nothing. It's a good move. Obviously, it makes sense. And at that price, it certainly makes sense for them. The Suns got a big name for a small number. And um, Eric Gordon, about $3 million a year for two years. He's a great piece. So you think about that. Having Beal on one side, Gordon on the other side is another great shooter of um, Devin Booker, who I assume will be the um, decision maker. They did some other moves, too, with a bunch of like smaller name guys that I think will help fill out that roster, because that was the biggest question for them is how are they going to fill out this roster and what are they going to do with Aiton? The Aiton choice hasn't been made yet, but I do think that the pieces that they added will be helpful. Uh, I mean, Wantanabe has a history of working with Kevin Durant and having success there. I'm not going to try to argue that any of these other guys, including Eric Gordon, are like the real deal difference makers, but they don't need that. They have three, at least two and a half difference makers on that team. They need guys to fill out the roster and guys that can play off of them well and won't get in their way, won't clog the paint, can shoot well enough to to continue with the stretching of the floor and can defend on the wing and protect the basket. So I think they've address those issues. I think the Suns, while they've been really aggressive 
and paid a lot of money and are probably going to go past the apron pretty soon, the second apron pretty soon. I think what they did in this period with the small moves are kind of the first sign that Ishbia is comfortable with being a, a GM for the long haul and not an all in GM, which is two different kinds. I think you need to have the ability to be both. Uh, and he hadn't shown that ability. Well, I guess he's he's not the GM. That's fair. He owns the team. But I think we all get the feeling that he's very involved with his basketball background. He played basketball in college. He's very involved in in the basketball decisions, especially the big ones like Kevin Durant. But they made some good moves around them outside of that. Um, let's see. The last team that I wanted to hit was the Dallas Mavericks. It's not much to talk about. They signed the Kyrie deal. I think that's unsurprising it does not make them a championship contender but i don't know that that's what they're going for they have to make luca happy and figure out how to keep him there long term so a lot will be riding on this early part of the season because i think Kyrie is a piece that they would move if things don't pan out the way they want before the trade deadline Kyrie is a talented piece that they could potentially move to someone to another team that's willing to take on Kyrie for the value that he gives and deal with whatever headache comes with it and that could that particular move I don't know what it is but that could be the move that saves Luka I honestly don't think that Kyrie and Luca this season is a championship contender, and that does that's not much of a sales pitch to keep Luca there. Uh, getting in his head is a hard thing to do, obviously, as it's hard to get in anyone's head, and especially someone like Luca who hasn't been like incredibly outspoken outspoken about how he feels the franchise has been building around him. I think it's I was going to say you could argue, but it's inarguable, frankly. Uh, I think they've come up short. Even though they've made some deep runs in the playoffs, it hasn't been because they put together a great roster around him. So this feels like a last-ditch effort to try to appease Luka. That's what it felt like when they made the trade for Kyrie last year, and that's what this signing with Kyrie means also. Kyrie's still a great and talented basketball player that could be an asset on any team. I'm not going to argue about how much he makes, whether he's worth it or not. It feels like it's the market, and that's what the market demands. Kyrie also brings this interesting thing that is a, a value to him, is that he is willing to be a pain in the ass. That I think uh, a pain in the ass, I think, is underselling it. Uh, he is not even willing to be suggest that it's something that he does intentionally that if he's in a bad frame of mind or if he is so moved, he will become a problem for your team. And why I find that interesting is it does not sound like a selling point, but it definitely will, will run your numbers up because a lot of the argument for the Kyrie deal is why would you pay him that much? And I know Bill Simmons made this point and Kyrie pushed back on it a little bit in his Kyrie way is who was negotiating against Kyrie? Why did the number get so high? So I don't know that it matters if anyone is negotiating against him, if the risk is you pay him so little that he shows up angry. And that's a weird place to be. Again, I make the comparison to football and basketball. You just don't have that in football that often. The players just don't have that type of leverage or impact. And there's also just a culture in football that's uh, I think it's going to come off like I'm making it sound like the culture in football is better. I'm not saying it's better. It's probably better for the coaches and the teams. But the culture in the football is a lot more like 
team. We're going to take care of the team. We're all in this together. And there would be a lot more pushback in a football locker room to a player who's just like, eh, whatever. I'm not happy to be here, so I'm going to be uh, a problem. That just is hard to pull off in a locker room unless you have incredibly high value which obviously basketball players have that value and they can be that. So the reason why I think that's interesting is you juxtapose that with, with Damian Lillard. He's been doing and saying all the right things this whole time. And obviously we're not going to cry for him. He got the big contract he's had a really great um, career in Portland, but at no point have they built a winner around him, a real competitive a championship caliber team around him his whole time there while he was being Mr. Team Guy Damian Lillard. They didn't do what they asked him to do. So I agree. It's unseemly when we have uh, NBA players causing a fuss, threatening to do this and that, um, floating rumors and forcing trades and teaming up with their players. Like I can understand why that could turn some fans off. But you also have to look at the results. And it seems like we know Dallas or Denver won this year and that they didn't have a, much of a history of that. But it seems like since uh, the Celtics put their team together, it's been a lot of NBA players with talent using their leverage. You even go back to a guy like Giannis, who we think about as like a team first guy. Nah, he never quieted the rumors that he was planning on leaving. He never quieted those. And he, uh, you could argue that he inflated them until they were able, until he forced them to make the move to bring in the players that won them the championship. Now they're probably in a pretty tough spot going forward, but they always have that championship. And obviously LeBron, who's been, the center of this league for quite some time now, the son that everyone revolves around LeBron has made a career out of using his leverage to create the roster that he wanted, uh, that he thought gave him the best chance to win. So back to Kyrie, I'm not saying that Kyrie is that calculated. And I'm not saying that the decisions that he makes are always uh, in the best interest of the team, uh, probably in his best interest more often than not. But, there's another dynamic in basketball that we have to appreciate is that the the power that the players have and their willingness to be frankly annoying. Like you go back to James Harden forcing his way out of Houston. Like there's a double-edged sword to it is you can create super teams that succeed super teams that fail, but it feels like it's so rare that you can create uh, or that players of that caliber uh, level of star get a winner created around them without using some of their own leverage. And maybe that's a lesson for Luca to learn going forward is he's going to have to make it himself because it seems clear that uh, the Mavericks aren't capable of making it without him getting involved. So surprise, surprise, where do I end up when there's no one here to guide me anywhere else saying that players should have more power and more influence across their leagues. Anyway, happy 4th of July to everyone. Uh, and maybe some fireworks for player independence on Independence Day. All right. Thank you guys so much. Sorry for the hiccups. Thank you, Christina Buswell, Adi Khan, and Sarah Abbott for making this work on the back end and helping me troubleshoot. Thank you guys at Podville for hooking us up with this great studio. And we out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.